You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat the North Carolina Tar Heels 76-67. to uh, what a terrific performance by Indiana from start to finish. This is a game where Indiana jumped out to an early lead, took control, and never really relinquished control at any point in the game. Things got a little bit shaky at a couple of points in the second half, but Indiana was always ready with an answer, and that is why the Hoosiers improved to 5-1 and one and knock off another top-five team at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. It is what we do, and we are here to break it all down for you on this episode of The Assembly Call. I am your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined by Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips tonight, leading you through uh, what should be a fun post-game show, lingering on this wonderful win for a little while. Uh, but let's start tonight's episode, as we always do, with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for tonight's Hoosier Proud banner moment, I want to take you back. Uh, yeah, and there's probably about five or six minutes left in the game. And, you know, all game long, Indiana had kind of kept North Carolina at arm's length. They had a, you know, kind of a 10 to 14 point lead. And every time North Carolina would, you know, get it under 10 or, or they'd get it to eight, Indiana would make a play. And a lot of the time it was OG Ananobi making, making a big play for Indiana. But someone would step up and make a play. Well, North Carolina finally broke the seal and they got it down to a five point game. They actually cut it down to four at one point. It was 61-57. Deron Davis got fouled, made one free throw, missed a second. So we go down on the other end. It is 62 to 57. Indiana's up by five, but it feels like North Carolina has momentum. And you just kind of felt like they might be ready to make a bucket, get this down to a one possession game. Indiana plays good defense. They miss a shot. James Blackman Jr. got a huge rebound and he was terrific on the defensive glass in the second half of this game, getting a number of big rebounds. Then Indiana goes back on the other end. And I think at this point, Indiana hadn't made a field goal in eight or nine minutes. And we talked about how important with no Yogi Ferrell, with no Troy Williams, it is this year for James Blackman Jr. to be that guy to step up and get a bucket when Indiana needs one. And on that possession, he did. He made a three off the dribble. That extended the lead back up to 65 to 57. Indiana would eventually push it back into double digits and get that comfortable win. But just a huge sequence for James Blackman Jr., who hadn't done much in the second half offensively, but to get that rebound, to come down and get that bucket when his team really needed one, a huge, huge moment. And that is our Hoosier Proud banner moment for tonight's win. And our banner moment, as always, brought to us by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. 
All right, let's move the ball, get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We will start out with Andy and his bottoms line, brought to us by Bracketology.fm. You know, I think tonight the thing that stuck out for me was just the balance. You know, all five starters in double figures. There were, um, you know, I think four guys had at least five rebounds uh, and, and you know, got some really good play off the bench from uh, Juwan Morgan and, and Deron Davis, as I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, you know, it, it just was a, you know, team effort, team win in every sense of the word. I thought... Uh, they played much better defensively in the first half and, and really worked together uh, better on that end, moved the ball better, played more as a team in the in the first half than they did during stretches in the second half. But um, you pointed out the shot that Blackman hit. I think you could point out key plays that it, that every single guy uh, who got in the scoring column made uh, at, at various points tonight, whether that be you know the big bucket that uh, Deron Davis got late when he you know backed down Kennedy Meeks, Blackman's big shot. Uh, Newkirk played some really solid defense. Rojo was hot early, so I think just. Uh, you know, you could go down the line about so many guys that played well. And I think, uh, you know, that continues to be a question mark in some ways as to, you know, who's the guy who really wants the big shot uh, late in the game. I think Blackman, you know, took that over in the in the moment that you mentioned. But I think it showed tonight that there are a number of guys who can uh, step up and make big plays. I think a good confidence booster for a number of players on the roster uh, after that. And I, I'm not sure if you guys realized it, but uh, this was not the same team apparently that lost to Fort Wayne in case people did not uh, pick up on that. One of the uh, 106 times that that was mentioned during the broadcast. <laughs> Excellent points. Andy, let's go over to Ryan and get his rant brought to us by the big lead.com. Uh, I think I just got to talk about defense. I mean, this this Indiana team, as as Andy said, it's not the same team that lost to Fort Wayne, in case you missed it, uh, or in case you missed me tweeting about it all night. Um, uh, you know, this is a North Carolina team that was averaging 93 points a game, shooting 51.9% from the field, 39% from three, and they came into Assembly Hall, and we talk about the Assembly Hall effect and the way that the crowd challenges people and the way that the arena challenges people. It's, it's supposed to be a tough arena to shoot in for visiting teams. But uh, that doesn't explain what happened. In North Carolina shot 39.3%, which is 12% lower than their average, uh, roughly. They shot 28.6% from three, which is uh, 11% lower than their average. And they only scored 67 points, which is nearly 30 points fewer than they normally get. This was a great effort defensively by Indiana, and that's what the, the difference in the game was. You can talk about the boards, which were huge. Uh, 37 for North Carolina. Indiana out-rebounded them with 38. That's unbelievable, given how, given how good North Carolina had been on the boards this year um, and how good they've been on the offensive glass as well. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But Indiana, just everybody came out from the get-go determined to stop the dribble, stop penetration, something they did not do against Fort Wayne in that loss. And I hate to bring that up on a night like tonight, but you got to look back at the improvement in two, three weeks. Even against Kansas, they had trouble stopping the dribble. They just scored so much that they were able to stay in that game. But they came out determined to shut down North Carolina's drive, driving driving lanes, and then recovered perfectly to kick outs, were guarded. I mean, North Carolina, how many, how many uncontested shots did North Carolina get tonight? Maybe five? Not many. I mean, it, it was, you know, I mean, it, I, it's, it was unbelievable. And it was this team was locked in and focused. And they showed that when they are committed, they can play with anybody. I mean, this was a – the effort defensively was the kind of effort that you you see from a team that is destined for a Final Four or a championship. I'm not saying that's what this team is at. I'm just saying tonight the way they locked in, the effort everyone showed – 
top to bottom, James Blackwood Jr., a guy whose defense we rip on, he was fantastic defensively. Josh Newkirk struggled on offense a little bit. Unbelievable defensively. Robert Johnson, we expect that from him. OG, Thomas Bryant, they were all outstanding. And that was that was the difference in the game. And, and Indiana is known as an offensive team that will outscore teams. Tonight, it was the defense that won it. Well, look, I mean, you hold North Carolina to 0.974 points per possession. I mean, defense is going to be and, and look, it had to be a great defensive effort because Indiana shoots under 70 percent from the free throw line. It's one of the worst officiated games I've seen in a while. And that doesn't take uh, Ryan's rant. So, you know, that it had to be a great defensive performance for that to take Ryan's focus. But, you know, the other thing from a numbers perspective that I thought was really interesting is, you know, I thought one of the keys coming in, and, and we all talked about this, was obviously going to be controlling North Carolina uh, on the defensive glass. You're not letting North Carolina go nuts with offensive rebounds. They came in rebounding 46.6% of their misses. Uh, Meeks and Hicks, I believe, or, or either Meeks or Jackson, one of those two guys are first and second in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. Indiana holds North Carolina to 31%. Uh, in terms of offensive rebounding percentage. Now, what's interesting is Indiana, that's, you know, offensive rebounding is a huge part of what Indiana does too. And Indiana only got 25% of their misses. So, you know, North Carolina, you could almost look at it and say they did a better job on the glass than Indiana. Uh, but I thought it was really big for Indiana to be able to neutralize North Carolina and especially late. You know, there, there were no, uh, you know, late when North Carolina missed shots, Indiana really did a good job of cleaning it up and not giving them any of those second chance points, uh, which I thought was really huge. But just a terrific performance all around from Indiana. And I thought the other thing that was interesting was, you know, Indiana was able to correct some mistakes within the game, which we don't always see. You know, they came out at the start of the second half and things were a little bit shaky in North Carolina. The first two possessions of the second half, if you'll remember, they had wide open drives to the bucket. They made one of them. They missed another one. Uh, three or four minutes later, they went down to Kennedy Meeks, I think three possessions in a row, and he scored on all three possessions. Indiana ends up switching to zone, and they ended up getting that corrected. And I think Deron Davis had, had a lot to do with that. Um, but a lot of times we see these things snowball for Indiana, which you expect against a team like North Carolina, too, who has great spurtability, and that didn't happen. Indiana was able to take a couple of those punches, stop it immediately, correct it, and then have a positive play, and that's why they were able to win this game. Andy, you wanted to jump in with something on defense. Well, I thought particularly in the first half, IU did a really good job of making North Carolina take the shots that IU wanted them to take and not the ones that North Carolina wanted to take. You know, they took a lot of mid-range jumpers. They took a lot of threes. And even when you look at the end of the game, Carolina shot over 30, over a third of their shots from three-point range and coming in. Uh, I think we talked about this earlier in the week at some point. You know, they really only came in shooting about 25% of their attempts from there. So, I thought they forced them to take tough shots early, um, and, and they didn't give up easy baskets in transition. They just had the two fast break points uh, on the play when I think OG got hit in the face and was was down in the basket. I think those were their only fast break points of the game, too, and I think that speaks a little bit to what Ryan talked about just when they recovered off the dribble, but also just recovering uh, in transition after you know made or missed shots and didn't let Carolina get out and run. And Carolina actually came back a little bit more uh, when they when the game slowed down a little bit. Uh, so I thought IU did a good job in, in that regard of uh, getting back in transition, but also just you know forcing them to take the shots that they really wanted them to take. You know, we haven't really talked yet about the guy that I thought was Indiana's MVP tonight. And so we're going to talk about him next. First, uh, do want to take a quick minute, tell you all about our other sponsor, SeatGeek, who we are so happy to have with us uh, this season on the Assembly Call. Uh, as you have probably noticed, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find that best deal for the game or the show that you want to go to. 
And none of the other ticket sites really seem to want to change that. But SeatGeek is different, which is why we use them. Uh, they've come along and they've created an amazing app and website that really does make it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. That's why they're the first place I go when I'm looking for tickets to a game or concert because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. They do all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. They do the work. You save the time and money. And best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app and then go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. All righty. Well, you are listening to The Assembly Call, another victorious episode of The Assembly Call as we are breaking down Indiana's 76-67 to victory over the North Carolina Tar Heels. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's talk about the night for OG Ananobi. Uh, obviously, one of the big storylines coming out of this game is his health as after that last bucket that he made, landed awkwardly on his ankle, definitely turned it. Uh, he did not reenter the game. They immediately started icing. Uh, his ankle certainly looks like something that could keep him out for a little while. We'll wait until we get official word. Fortunately, Indiana has uh, three straight games against sub uh, 300 uh, opposition, so they can rest him if he is indeed uh, hurt or out. But I thought he was absolutely terrific tonight. And, you know, last year against North Carolina, the game seemed a little bit too fast and a little bit too big for him, and he never really got in the groove. But tonight he was all over the place, and he is the guy, I mentioned it before, when North Carolina would make a little run or they'd threaten to get it under 10, he would always make a play, whether it was a rebound or an assist or a basket. He would do something positive over and over again, and I just thought he was Indiana's go-to guy tonight in both halves. The guards played really well in the first half, struggled in the second half, but I thought OG was consistent, finished with 16 points, five boards, two assists, two blocks. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's the best performance he's had in an Indiana uniform considering the stakes and considering how he played, really showing a variety of ways to get involved. Ryan, your thoughts uh, on the night for OG Ananobi? Well, I thought the best part about his game was that he was looking to get closer to the basket. And we've seen him a little drifting a little, uh, you know, and that happens to guys when they when they develop a three point shot part of it is they want to they want to show it off a little bit and they're proud of their work and and I think that he has been that way at the beginning of the season this year he's been he's been drifting a little bit we've seen that sort of change since the Fort Wayne game um, probably because it's been drilled into him I would assume he's so long and so athletic on the interior it's so hard to guard him down there because you think you've got him boxed in and then he sticks his arms up and he's way past the defender I mean you know it, it's just it, the, wor the world is so much easier for him in the paint and the evidence of that is Andy pointed out in our chat here is he was five for five on two point shots tonight uh finished with 16 points five rebounds two assists two blocks you know did that stat stuffing that he always does one of three from three five of five from two pointers I'm not saying he shouldn't shoot threes and there was a great example of that he drove a few times for buckets in you know a couple possessions uh, in the second half and then he got the ball in the perimeter 
And the defender had to back off him because he knew he could drive right by him. And, and there he had a wide open three because the defender backed off, nailed it. And it was a huge point of the game. And, and it really turned things for it, turned the momentum back to Indiana. As you said, it was going back and forth. And, um, you know, three of seven from the free throw line, been harping on it that he needs to work on that. But, you know, all in all, you're right. It was a fantastic performance. I don't know if he was my MVP for the night, but he was fantastic. And, and he was, I, I think certainly in that conversation for the evening. And, and, and I mean, it, this is what we expect from him. This is what his standard should be. A guy who just turns in a huge performance in a huge situation and he steps up when the team needs him. And as far as his ankle goes, uh, it did look like he rolled it. It's it obviously going to be severely painful, but it didn't look like it turned over too badly from the way I saw it. I replayed it a few times. Uh, I think that, He'll be okay long term, but it's going to be real painful and real swollen for a little bit. So I think he'll be okay long term. He's going to need some time off, though. Andy, you want to break the tie? Was OG your MVP for the Hoosiers tonight? Uh, you know, I I don't know. I I hadn't really thought of it in that way. I thought the thing that he did really well was, and, and we talked about this on on podcast on the brink was how could he draw Hicks away from the basket, and he ended up fouling out. I don't know how many of the fouls he drew, but. Um, and then when uh, May came into the game for them, I mean, he would drive on him every single time that he got the ball um, and he was on him and he ended up with three fouls in pretty limited minutes. So I don't know, you know, what how many fouls he ended up drawing, but he drew a ton by putting the ball on the floor. And I think that's where, you know, he has to take advantage of those mismatches because he has a skill set if he's playing the four for IU that that people who are guarding him aren't going to be able to match up with. And, you know, we talked about that a little bit after. Uh, you know, one of the recent games was that he's starting to figure out that balance between when to be outside and when to be inside. I thought tonight was another uh, example of that. And he did, you know, he he did a, a great job of, of knowing when to drive. And, um, you know, I thought one of the threes he took was that he missed. He was really in rhythm and was surprised he didn't go in. The other one, he drifted a little bit. I think was caught up in how it was in the first half. And so, um, but I thought overall, he, he definitely played well, um, did a lot of things on the, on the stat sheet. But I, I don't know. I have I don't have my uh, my vote figured out yet for who the who the MVP was, but uh, he he definitely is in that conversation for sure based on on the timeliness of his baskets and uh, how he helped uh, you know draw fouls on on Hicks and really took him out of the game to a certain extent. Here's the thing, and and I'm jumping in over top of Andy here. Basketball is a really simple game for somebody as talented as OG Ananobi, and he makes it more difficult for himself by not taking advantage of what is given to him on the interior. He is so just has gifts that so many people do not have. And, and, and he makes it harder for himself by, by drifting on the perimeter. Basketball is really easy when he's in the paint and when he's driving and, and getting, as you said, getting fouled, drawing fouls, frustrating opponents because it's so hard to guard him. So uh, my plea to OG, since I know obviously he's, he watches is, <laughs> to make basketball he easier listens for to the podcast i'm sure of course yeah no the next day he's not he's not on it right now if he <laughs> yeah. is how you doing, OJ? Uh, but no i i he's you know he's a guy he just needs to make basketball easier for himself go to the hoop that's what will make basketball easier for you same goes for thomas bryant i mean the, both of them are in the same uh category as far as that goes yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the other guy who's receiving MVP mention in the chat anyway, and who certainly looked like the odds on favorite early. And that's Robert Johnson. Uh, and Andy, frankly, I'm surprised that you didn't just jump all over this uh, when given the opportunity. You know, I Seriously, thought Robert I, I thought Robert 
played a terrific game, but you know, most of his, certainly most of his offensive contribution came in the first half. I thought he really set the tone early. He hit that three pointer on the second possession of the game was really aggressive and was terrific defensively too. had three steals in that first half, uh, was very effective at driving and creating without turning the ball over. Uh, he had no turnovers in the first half. In fact, uh, Robert James and Josh Newkirk played the entire first half, I believe, without turning the ball over. Now, each of them uh, had turnovers in the second half, at least two of them. But I thought Robert, you know, on both ends was was really terrific, especially in the first half. And I think that was really important to set the tone, you know, because I think, look, I think a lot of us were a little nervous how Indiana was going to come out tonight after the Fort Wayne game and not playing great against Mississippi Valley State. I know I was a little bit nervous, but the way they came out, you know, assuage some of those fears. And Robert was such a huge part of that. And I thought he looked to me like a guy even before the game that was ready to lead. You saw when Indiana broke the huddle before they went over for the opening tip. Robert was in there, had everybody around him. You know, they did a little impromptu players huddle and he was talking to everybody and looked really intense and just had that look like a guy who was ready to go set the tone. And he did with his play. Uh, just a really good performance from Robert tonight. Andy, your thoughts? Well, he definitely, if we were handing out the MVP of the first half, I, I think that would have been hands down uh, would have been him. I mean, he had 10 points, five rebounds, three steals, two assists, and no turnovers. And, and even at the very start of the game, Joe Van had a nice dish for a basket, hit a three early, hit a, hit a, a pull-up jumper early. And I thought really got you know everybody off to a good start. I think it's one of these where um, you, you can have guys that are too amped up in an environment like the one that that we saw tonight. Uh, or you can have somebody who, who comes out, plays under control, um, you know, uses that and and allows that momentum to build and the crowd to get into it more. And I thought he really set the tone uh, from that perspective early. Uh, it seemed like in the second half, they, they saw some things that, you know, Tim Garl was working on him periodically uh, and it seemed like he had an injury. So he definitely wasn't as aggressive uh, in the second half, you know, only took one shot from the floor and you know, made one or two from the line. So definitely didn't do as much. And I'm not sure what the you know injury situation was there and that was the only reason that i, I hesitated to call him the uh, mvp but I, i'll say he's the first half mvp and the guy i would call the second half mvp is someone we probably haven't talked about yet or at least not very much so we can uh we'll probably hit on that shortly but uh, I, I thought he was definitely set the tone um but i thought struggled a little bit in the second half i think whatever you know leg injury he seemed to have uh might have might have contributed to that well, you know, we definitely have to talk about the big guys. We have to talk about Thomas Bryant and Deron Davis. And, and look, you know, Thomas Bryant, I think, struggled to get involved offensively in the first half. But we have to remember, you know, Tom Crean said coming into this game, he said it on the pregame show that he really, his exact quote was, we have to make their big people play both ends. We have to move them around. He wanted to get them away from the basket. And you saw early on, you know, putting Thomas Bryant in pick and rolls over and over again and really bringing North Carolina's big guys away from the basket so that there was room for Indiana's guards to operate. And so, it, you know, I thought Thomas struggled to get good looks in the first half, but there was a sequence in the second half. And, and this came, I think, right on the heels of Ryan tweeting, Thomas, they can't guard you. And, you know, North Carolina cut it to 45-37 early in the second half. And this is one of those moments where it felt a little bit shaky, like they might be ready to take control of the game. And on two straight possessions, Thomas Bryant showed off his incredible skill set. One, he took the ball all the way from the right wing, drove through the lane, and made a bucket. That put Indiana up 10. And then on the next possession, he had a three from the corner. So all of a sudden, it's a seven-point game. Now it's a 12-point game. And I thought that really, it was a huge kind of explosion moment for Thomas and obviously five of his 12 points on the night, you know, but I thought overall did a good job defensively, did a good job rebounding 
and and did a nice job with the chances that he got. Ryan, uh, I know you want to talk Rojo, so so feel free if you uh, if you want to hop in on that. But your thoughts on the night for Thomas Bryant? Well, let me just talk about uh, about Robert Johnson real quick and why I thought he was the MVP. It was just a defense. I mean, he yep. was on it all night defensively. And as Andy said, he set the tone in the beginning. Without that start, Indiana doesn't win the game. They got North Carolina off balance immediately, had a lead. North Carolina never led in the game, not once. And they had only trailed for 16 seconds all season. And Indiana led from the tip because of that push by, by Robert Johnson early on. There were other guys who were involved too, but he was the catalyst. And then defensively, all game, he was hounding their guards, whether it was whether it was Barry or, um, or Britt or whoever. He was just guarding them up and playing his butt off. And, and that's a great game for him. And one of his best as a Hoosier. I don't care that he didn't score much in the second half. Uh, I, I think that this is... You know, one of his better games as a Hoosier. Um, as far as the big guys go, man, uh, it, I, I tweeted that out about Thomas Bryant because I think sometimes he forgets he's a big man and, and he wants to shoot and he wants to be a perimeter guy. And he, you know, not necessarily wants to be a perimeter guy, but wants to be able to knock down shots and prove that he did that, sort of like OG sometimes. But there was that one play where he got out on the wing and drove on on Meeks and finished on him. And it was just, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, he could do that every play if he wanted to. That is how good he is. And I think sometimes he tries to be too selfless and tries to share the ball too much when sometimes it's like, hey, man, you got the ball one-on-one. -on -one. Go take the guy. And you're right. That stretch where he where he scored the layup and then stepped out from three and knocked that down, I mean, that was, that was the ball game right there, I think. I, I really do because that sort of said, no matter what North Carolina does, we have an answer. And and it wasn't OG that time. It was Thomas stepping up and making a huge play. And, you know, he's just, he's so good. And we're so used to seeing him put up even bigger numbers than he did tonight. He only had 12 and seven tonight, but he was huge all over the floor. He was affecting shots in the middle and he was finishing around the rim when he needed to. And, and I think that it's, he's sort of finding a comfort zone in, it's been, it's been it's been off for him for a little bit, it seems like, since the first half of the Kansas game. He hasn't really stepped up and had a big stretch, and tonight he had that, and I think it was just a product of him settling in and realizing, hey, I'm going against a potential All-American, and I can take him constantly. And, and if you'll also notice on the defensive end, Meeks only had 10 points, and he had eight rebounds total, but only two offensive rebounds. I mean, that's his bread and butter. That That's North Carolina's bread and butter, just tossing into Meeks and let him work. And you know, Bryant shut him down. And so I think this was a phenomenal night for Thomas. Uh, he was just so, he was, even when he wasn't getting rebounds or, 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 or putting a stat on the board, he was affecting play constantly. And, uh, and I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was a fantastic job. And by the way, when North Carolina made their little run to get it down to a four-point game at 61-57, it was 61-52 when both OG and Thomas went out. So they really took advantage of both of those guys being out to make that run. Uh, let's talk about Deron Davis. And I think it's a testament to how well Indiana starters played that Deron Davis's performance hasn't been talked about that much yet on the show because I thought, you know, he wasn't just he didn't just play well for a freshman. He came in and played well. You know, the moment wasn't too big for him. Uh, you know, he didn't try to do too much. And I think his freshman classmates, Curtis Jones and Devontae Green, are dealing with that a little bit. Both of those guys 
are trying to do a little bit too much when they get out there. And Duran is just doing what he does. You know, he had five points, three boards, a steal, two blocks. And even as impressive as that stat line is in 13 minutes, it doesn't tell the story of his contribution tonight. You know, we talked about the bucket where he backed Kennedy Meeks down. His defense was terrific. Uh, Andy, you know, he was a guy that you, you know, you called out on podcast on the brink and said you thought he needed to have a big game for Indiana to win. And lo and behold, Indiana won. And Duran Davis was dynamite off the bench. Uh, you get one, I, I get one right every once in a while. I you know I thought he was uh, I thought he was I, I thought he was terrific. I, I think he did a better job of denying uh, post position than Bryant did. Quite frankly, I mean he really pushed guys out. Had a couple nice blocks. Uh, continues to be you know prove himself to be a good uh, shot blocker. And so I, I really thought he played well and and just good recognition. You know we kind of talk about you know basketball IQ with him. Um, and, and just the recognition of the fact that Meeks has got four fouls knew he wanted, you know, he wasn't going to foul and just backed him down, and made a nice shot. And, and I think, um, you know, what you said with, you know, about green and Jones, um, he just, it, the moment doesn't seem too big for him. And more than that, uh, I think as a fan, you can sit and, and not worry when the ball's in his hands. And there were definitely times tonight when, uh, you know, Curtis Jones, a couple of times, even before the the uh, questionable shot that was soon to follow was like, just give up the ball, just give up the ball. And, uh, and Davis, even when he's backing on Meeks at a key moment in the game, it was like, you know, you just felt a, a comfort that he knew what he was doing, uh, was playing under control. And, and as a guy who, you know, we talk about this all the time, who really understands what their role is on the team and he's settling into his uh, very nicely. Yeah, we just got to get him in shape so he can play more minutes. You know, that's the thing. And, you know, I, yeah, I thought it was interesting on the pregame show. Crean said, this is not a chance-taking game. This is not a game to show off our hopeful skills. It's a game to play how we play. And he was asked that specifically in relation to the bench. And I just I have a feeling that he kind of meant that in relation to Cujo and, and Devante, who are kind of struggling to find that role. And, you know, to your point, Andy, about feeling comfortable with Duran, I think just as how, how, how we felt as fans, I think that's how the coaches felt, which is why he was in there for those key minutes. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts on Duran? Yeah, man, I've been I've been pumping this kid up since since, you know, last year and and i i just i'm imp i'm more and more impressed with him every time i see him on the floor and as you said as he gets into better shape the moment is just not too big for him i mean he is uh, he's a, he's, a, he's an absolute all-around stud and he's smart that's another thing that just does not go noticed with a lot of freshmen these days whether they're they're smart or just athletic or whatever we we don't even think about that he is smart i mean when he backed down meeks he knew meeks had four fouls and andy mentioned this on twitter he knew meeks could not foul him and and had to play passive defensively got the ball immediately backed him down he knew the situation he knew the time and score and i thought he, he finished the night with five points i thought all five were huge i mean his free throws were on point he had three rebounds two blocks and a steal i mean again it's a freshman and he's stepping in and he was just you know when, when thomas bryan is, is probably the team's best player all around and you've got a guy like deron davis you can go to who is absolutely just locked in every time he's on the floor, knows what he's doing, is so aware. It's such a luxury to have for Indiana. And I, I hope people appreciate what you've got with these two post guys because Deron Davis is going to be insanely good. And, and he's already showing that he's pretty much, you know, getting there. 
Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about James Blackman Jr. Uh, and Josh Newkirk here in a second. We got to cover both of those guys because both you know had such important contributions to this win. Before we do that, uh, I do want to take a quick minute tell you why you should activate your free Assembly Call membership. And hey, especially those of you who are here for the first time, we know sometimes these big wins uh, bring out new audience members. So if that describes you, uh, here are three reasons why you should activate your free membership. First, it's quick and easy. Go to assemblycall.com/join. It'll take you 15 seconds to set up your free membership. Number two, it's how you get our best content. So as soon as we wrap this show, we stay up for another couple more hours getting our post-game email analysis ready, which is delivered the morning after every game. Only our subscribers and the people who uh, have their membership are going to get that email in addition to our Saturday IU Hoops News Roundup. And then finally, it's the best way to connect with us uh, and connect with the Assembly Call community because only members can access our post-game live chat and the discussion forum. So if you like what you hear on the Assembly Call, then becoming a member is the next logical step. Join us for free at assemblycall.com slash join. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. We are celebrating Indiana's 76 to 67 victory over the North Carolina Tar Heels. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Uh, and guys, I led off the show with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment talking about James Blackman Jr., uh, his terrific rebounding. He finished the game, I believe, with nine rebounds. So we come into a game where rebounding is the key. And James Blackman Jr. is the guy who leads Indiana in rebounds, also added three assists. Uh, and I'll tell you the other thing, and Andy, I want to get your thoughts on James. But I thought he actually set a tone with toughness tonight, diving on the floor for loose balls, getting big rebounds, you know, driving in into the lane and, and getting pummeled and fouls not being called inexplicably. You know, you can criticize James Blackman Jr. for inattention on defense sometimes. But if you criticize him for a lack of physical toughness, as sometimes people do, you're just not paying attention, especially to, I think, the new and improved, more mature James Blackman that we're seeing this year, who I think is playing with a level of toughness, especially physical toughness, that we haven't seen from him before. Uh, another great night from James. Yeah, I mean, I actually thought he was probably the guy I'd pick for the, the second half MVP, although Bryant was close. But, I, you know, just the he came up with some huge rebounds in big spots. It was one where, you know, kind of batted it around a few times and then he just somehow emerges amongst the trees with the rebound. And, you know, for him to get nine rebounds, I saw a quote, I think uh, Teddy Bailey posted something, Bryant talking to Blackman on the way out. Man, you took two rebounds away from me. I could have had a double-double. And he was, uh, he was in there uh, really you know, really fighting with those guys. And I think you're, you're right about the toughness. And I, and I thought Ryan mentioned earlier, he, he really came out and, uh, and was really into it defensively as well. And, and while it's easy to criticize that and, uh, we assuredly could go back and find some, some, uh, plays where he, he gave up baskets, but, uh, I, I thought he really displayed a, an attentiveness there that, um, you know, we don't always see from him. And, and I thought that was really good. And, and I, I don't feel like he really forced shots either. Um, I think it was one, one potential heat check in the first half, but that was about it. I, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I think he, you know, picked his spots to shoot well and at a spot down the end when nobody else could, uh, could put together a couple free throw makes, I think he made, uh, he made two in a row at one point, which seemed like a, a rarity uh, for IU. So I thought he played really well. Probably was my second half MVP, although Bryant, uh, could certainly make an argument for that as well with, uh, with 10 after the break. Hey, and let's not forget about this moment from the first half because Indiana extended their lead all the way to 17 points in the first half. And do you guys remember the three-pointer that did it? It was James, and I think it was 
uh, North Carolina had switched to that half-court trap, and Indiana was really attacking it. Again, something that Tom Crean said he wanted to do. Don't just recognize the pressure, attack the pressure, which Indiana did, and James got that three on the wing. And there's sometimes with a great shooter, you can tell by their body language after they release the ball, it's in, and you don't even need to watch it. And that three-pointer, because he took it from a few steps behind the line, you just knew it was in. That put Indiana up 17 points. And in line with what we were talking about with Robert Johnson setting the tone, I thought that shot, the aggressiveness of it, the confidence of it, really set the tone for Indiana. Uh, just another great play for James. Ryan, your thoughts on the night for James Black? I, I know exactly the shot you're talking about. As soon as he shot it, I said good. Yeah. Uh, and by the it. way, yeah, yes, I was alone in my apartment and talking to myself the entire game. So if you guys have any... Uh, hey, it's much easier to do that than with a sleeping baby. Because that's that, hey, that, you, know you by OG, I almost woke up the baby. Which oh, my neighbors hate me now. But not that they didn't hate me already. But no, but but Jared, you chose that life. You chose to have a kid, man. That's That's you're that that's on you uh no i, I thought james uh was fantastic tonight especially coming you gotta remember he's coming off an injury too and he his his minutes he, he played 28 minutes that's probably limited it, it, and Crean said before the game he, he wasn't no he wasn't sure where his conditioning was because he only practiced once uh so yeah stepping up that you, you can't question the kid's toughness absolutely not you can question his decision making sometimes on offense you can question his intensity on defense but you cannot question his toughness and you, you've never really been able to question his toughness um you've been able to say you wish he'd get stronger and wish he'd finish stronger and things like that but uh, he's a tough kid and he always has been and um I, yeah i just this was and he's always i know we're, we're marveling about the fact that he was a leading rebounder with nine but he's always been a great rebounder i mean it's uh, you know he and robert johnson have always been excellent defensive rebounders and so tonight that was that was a big deal for for indiana because they had to win the rebounding battle and and or at least be close you know not get blown out and so he really showed up on both ends of the floor, uh, which is you know something you don't necessarily expect from him, but maybe we should start to, uh, because this is a guy who, it, when he's at his best, Indiana's at their best, and and so he's gonna need to do that if this team has aspirations, you know, for a next level season, and uh, you know, I, I just I thought he was excellent and good for him. You know, he's he's taken a lot of flack from people uh, for the last couple of years, and and he really stepped up and had a great performance tonight, just like he did against Kansas in the opener. Uh, so it seems like he's he's turned into big game James. Yeah, not uh, that's a great nickname for him. So Troy Williams left, and obviously with Troy Williams, there was good Troy and there was bad Troy, and he was a lightning rod for everybody. I feel like Josh Newkirk is the guy who's taking that role this year, doing some good Josh and some bad Josh and really being a lightning rod uh, to where, you know, and, and a lot of times it's been, I've seen probably more negative criticism of him than positive. And I get some of it because he does try to do a little bit too much on offense and for a team that's, that, that really thrives on making the extra pass and moving the ball with the pass, he's a guy who pounds the ball a little bit too much and will over dribble and try and do a little bit too much. And he did some of that tonight. And you probably don't want Josh Newkirk to be the guy who leads you in shots, taking two more than anybody else. But I also thought he had some really good moments. And I thought that he played really well defensively. And I thought 
despite his struggles offensively in the second half, the three-pointer that he made off a great assist from OG late in the game was absolutely huge. It was another one of those, you know, uh, uh, momentum-stemming plays for Indiana. And so, you know, was it a perfect night for Josh Newkirk? No, but I think when you looked before the season at what you wanted to get from him, you got tonight exactly what you want to get from Josh Newkirk, which is tough, aggressive defense. Because I thought, you know, he he obviously spent some time guarding Joel Berry, a guy getting National Player of the Year talk coming into this game. And Barry finishes with eight points, three of 13 shooting, uh, you know, did have eight assists, but, you know, really, I thought, struggled to get involved. And I thought Newkirk uh, played a role in that, as did Robert Johnson. Um, but overall, not a perfect night for Josh Newkirk, but more good Josh than bad Josh tonight. Andy, your thoughts uh, on Newkirk? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the I think your assessment is is spot on. There were some he played fantastic defensively. I don't think there is is much, if anything, to really uh, even have questions about on that end of the floor. I, I thought he was, you know, really harassed them. Uh, was a little worried because he drew a couple early fouls that he was almost being overly aggressive, but only ended up he ended up with four. But um, you know, did a good job because I think he played a decent amount in the first half with two fouls after that, and uh, and, and kind of backed off enough to. Uh, to not get in further foul trouble. And then offensively, um, you know, he was aggressive to the hoop at times. And and the frustration was you didn't think he had a great idea of what he was going to do when he got there, um, but did make a couple nice pull-up jumpers and and uh, you know, made a three in the first half. So uh, definitely a mixed bag. I think the, uh, the Troy comparison is pretty apt for, uh, you know, for kind of what you see about him and even what I find myself, you know, saying in, in some cases. But, uh, you know, definitely a fiery guy. And and liked what he brought defensively tonight. I think if they can kind of rein rein in what he's doing fig- offensively and figure out how to you know kind of bottle the attacking mentality and, and take away a little bit of the dribbling, uh, I think there's good things to be had there. Uh, it's just a matter of bringing that out of him more consistently. Yeah, I think that that some people are going to look at those drives he took, and and a lot of those ten shots were in the paint. And and they were you know shots that may have gotten blocked, or I guess you know he was going to be aggressive to the hoop. I mean, that's what, that's what he was doing. He was driving in, trying to get, you know, uh, contact or try and, you know, uh, make a layup or something like that. I'm fine with that because he's clearly been told after that Fort Wayne game, hey, you know what? Don't stand on the perimeter. Take it to the hoop if you're going to take it somewhere. And he's going to have driving lanes because everybody's going to be concerned about everybody else. And he tried tonight to be aggressively. I thought there were a few times he definitely had contact on his way up and did not get the call, but he's going against a few bigs in North Carolina who are going to get the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Um, and as Jared said, the officiating tonight was interesting. We'll say I don't um, usually rip on the officiating. You know, that. I know I thought that, it was awful. It's one of the yeah. worst officiated games I've seen in a long time. Yeah, that's usually, really that's usually my thing. So thanks for stepping on it. Um, but <laughs> no, I, 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 I thought that uh, I thought the same thing. And I thought Newkirk was, was the victim of that a few times. Um, I thought his turnovers for the most part were aggressive turnovers. As we've talked about, that's not really something we're going to be concerned about at this point in the season. If, if this is happening in big 10 play, if he's driving into a wall and, you know, not getting a foul and and the ball just kind of floats away, then yeah, we can talk about it. But early in the season, I think he's a guy who's trying to define his role. And, and hey, this is something that I don't think people would know, but he he led the team of minutes tonight with 34. And the reason that he was still on the floor that long was because of how good defensively he was. And he was outstanding defensively. And, and I think that 
you can screw up on offense if you play as well as he did uh, defensively. So I don't. I, I know Andy's calling it a mixed bag. I, I think it's a big plus for Newkirk, and it's only going to help him build his confidence up. He needs to tighten up his handle a little bit. Obviously, there were some there were some issues with that tonight, but he was all over the place defensively, and he picked his spots offensively. Sometimes it worked out, sometimes it didn't. So I, I I'm gonna hang with. I thought this was a great performance by Josh Newkirk overall, just because of how great he was defensively, and it's the reason, and that's the same reason that Robert Johnson is my is my MVP of the game because of how great those two played defensively. Yeah, and I thought, you know, look, we wondered who Crean would start. You know, is, is Indiana going to go big? Or are they going to go with the three guards? And, you know, I wondered. I mean, you know, Crean decides to go with Newkirk, not Juwan Morgan. And I even tweeted out, Morgan will be in before the under four, the under 16-minute timeout because I just thought Indiana would be better with him on the floor. But Newkirk, again, plays the most minutes, was terrific. And, and I thought, you know, uh, outside of that one stretch where he had Thomas and OG off the floor and North Carolina made that run, I thought the lineup uh, choices by Crane tonight were just outstanding. I mean, I thought he really countered what North Carolina was doing, and I, I just thought he really was in tune with his team. You know, didn't take a timeout when it looked like, you know, there was kind of some momentum being lost and his team figured it out, which was nice to see. Andy, the one guy that we haven't talked about yet is Juwan Morgan. And, you know, again, didn't do anything to jump off the page or jump off the screen, but I thought had some nice moments. Six points, three boards, um, you know, looked more like himself. And I thought really, again, played some tough defense. A lot of guys, you can't just look at the box score, same with Josh Newkirk, or, or look for flashy offensive plays to see how much they contributed tonight. I thought Morgan was another one of those guys. Maybe didn't get the rebound all the time, but he boxed his guy out, so his guy didn't get the rebound. Those little things that I thought really contributed. Yeah, I thought he he was another guy I really look for ahead of the game that that needed to play well, and I thought he did. Um, he he's not a guy who's going to score a ton of points, but I mean he had six, and uh, you know he same thing. I mean he really took advantage of pulling guys away from the basket, drew a few fouls, uh, and, and I thought played well in that regard, and played a lot more uh, under control. You know he did take the one three and airballed it, I think, um, yeah. but other than that, I thought he really played under control and and look more like what we saw from him. Uh, you know, in the first couple games of the season before, uh, you know, he's had this, you know, rough stretch. I think Ryan and I touched on a little bit after the uh, Mississippi Valley State game. I, I thought he he did more of the, you know, the, the Juwan Morgan things that we've looked for and was just solid and, and didn't try to do too much, kind of played that role, took advantage of matchups when they were there, uh, finished a little bit better around the rim than what we've seen. Uh, in recent games, and and I would agree with you. While he didn't end up with a bunch of rebounds, um, I thought he played well defensively and uh, intended to keep his guy off the glass. So I thought he was, you know, if he keeps giving them minutes like this in in games like this, I think he's going to be uh, just fine. It's going to be a huge boost for the team. I think um, the question turns to you know what what you're going to get from a bench standpoint at the guard spot, but I feel really good uh, with what the combination of Morgan and Deron Davis is going to be able to give in the front court off the bench, assuming the lineup stays uh, somewhat similar to what it was today. Uh, yeah, I thought Juwan had a had a had a really nice game. He made his two free throws, which is something again I've been harping on because this team needs to get better at making free throws. Um, made both his free throws. I thought the three he took, I was fine with because I, I kind of saw it coming. I kind of he was kind of hunting for it, passed a passed a few up and then took one. Uh, it came out ugly, but you know what? Uh, he had a decent look. Uh, I thought he rebounded well. He, I, you said he did nothing that jumped off the page or jumped off the screen. Uh, Jared, he had a sick block at one point uh, yeah. that was really fantastic. Uh, he also had a jumper, di a diagonal jumper that he tried to bank in, which had it gone in, 
Jared would have called that his banner moment because he loves that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, he's he's. I I just th- feel like he kind of reined his game into what he does best. And and I, I said after uh, after the last on the last post game show that I thought that he was sort of maybe struggling with this positionless thing that we've been getting into. And and it's sort of it's almost like it's been too much for him to take on to maybe be the point guard sometimes and things like that. And he just needed to go back to what was working and then slowly build on it instead of having some radical change. And I feel like he's going back to what's working. And and what works for him is rebounding, defense, picking his spots offensively, and 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 just being a smart, smart player. And and that's what we saw tonight. He was a smart player no turnovers in 21 minutes uh you know had an assist uh, that block three fouls which you know eh, we can talk about that later but three fouls uh three rebounds you know hit two or two from the from the line did all the things that smart basketball players do and and that's his go-to default position and then he can build on the rest of it from there you know as I continue reflecting on this game, you know, coming in North Carolina being lauded by everybody as maybe the best team in the country. And with the context of how poorly Indiana played against Fort Wayne and really how poorly they played against Mississippi Valley State, which was just kind of a ho-hum victory. You know, I, I was nervous, really thought that, you know, Indiana was going to have to play kind of one of these perfect games to win. And when you look at it, I mean, imagine if, if I had said, okay, Indiana is going to turn it over on 22.6% of their possessions. They're only going to get 25% of their offensive rebounds. They're going to shoot 66% from the free throw line. They're only going to make eight of 21 of their threes. I mean, what would you guys have said? You would have said that Indiana probably lost this game, right? Because so much of this game was actually imperfect and not up to Indiana standards but the thing is they played so tough and they played so gritty and it was the timing of the plays that they made uh, the you know the, the the quality of the plays that they made not necessarily the quantity and their ability to just make life hard on North Carolina you know we saw at the start of that second half a bit of the matador defense from Indiana where North Carolina just drove in those few possessions I mentioned where Meeks just you know kind of took Indiana to school in the paint and that's the bad Indiana defense that we see sometimes, where Indiana doesn't make the opposition uncomfortable. And I thought tonight, North Carolina just looked uncomfortable all 40 minutes. And they looked uncomfortable because Simon Scott Assembly Hall was going nuts, hat tip to everybody in the building. And they looked uncomfortable because Indiana came out to make them uncomfortable. Indiana made shots early to set the tone, and they played tough defense, and they rebounded well. And that's so good to see from this team. It didn't take a 50% three-point shooting night. It didn't take some you know, magical offensive performance. This was a tough, gritty basketball win. And I think, Ryan, you mentioned this at the start. That's what almost makes this so much more impressive. There were no smoke and mirrors. There was nothing amazing about it. It's the kind of thing that you can repeat. And when you repeat this level of effort and grit with the talent Indiana has, you can be pretty damn good. And I think that's the thing that I'm the most encouraged about uh, at the end of this game. Yeah, they're just, they out-toughed, out-hustled, and outworked North Carolina. And North Carolina is one of those teams that every year Roy Williams has them outworking everybody. They outrun everybody. How many fast break points did North Carolina get tonight? Two, four? Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what the final statistic was, but they didn't have any in the first half. So I I just think that the reason this is so encouraging and Andy tells me it's two fast break points. Uh, that is an astonishing statistic for North Carolina, if you know anything about the way North Carolina plays. And so Indiana, these kids, regardless of how imperfect things were at times, it, it was imperfect. As Jared said, it wasn't like they pitched a shutout. It was imperfect. They fought, 
and they battled and they counterpunched everything that North Carolina tried to do. They stuck it out. They played together and they played smart. And, you know, they were also able to hold off a charging opponent, which sometimes we've seen Tom Crane teams not be able to do and not be able to turn it around. North Carolina never made the run that got over the hump and got them into the lead. A lot of Indiana's big wins in the Crane era have come when a team has charged into the lead and Indiana then has fought back and sort of won it late. That happened at Iowa last year in the Big uh, Big Ten clinching uh win so I, I think that the great thing about tonight is they had the lead and they played like a team with a lead that knew they were going to win the game and they outworked their opponent and that is why it was so encouraging and that's why i think it's a better win than kansas i, I really do i think it's a phenomenal win that that this team can really build off of yep all right i do want to i'm gonna have to throw a little bit of cold water on the celebration i'm gonna do that here in just a second uh but before we go to our last section of the night and to our last call uh, one more quick reminder that a great way to support the assembly call is by ordering your official assembly call t-shirt from hoosierproud.com uh and actually i got mine in the other day it's not part of my official uniform for big games so i'm not wearing it now but i will wear it for the next show to show it off uh, but go to hoosierproud.com check out their selection of unique stylish apparel that anyone with indiana roots will love and don't forget to use the promo code assembly for 15% off. And that works not just for your assembly call logo t-shirts, but anything else you buy. Again, promo code is assembly and the URL is hoosierproud.com. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show, and we are breaking down Indiana's 76 to 67 victory over North Carolina tonight, getting ready to wrap up here in the next few minutes. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. And just looking at Twitter uh, and trying to get an update here on OG's injury. Uh, and obviously, there's no official diagnosis, but from all the tweets I'm seeing, Tom Crean says that it's a high ankle sprain, uh, which, if it is a high ankle sprain, you know, could be talking four to six weeks, something like that, maybe longer. There's no real way to tell. Uh, and obviously, if it does stretch out that long, you would think that you might not have OG or you may not have a full speed OG for pretty important games against Butler, uh, against Louisville, against Wisconsin that are coming up. Uh, so, you know, Andy, obviously we'll get into this much more on future shows, but, you know, just kind of a, a quick little, uh, you know, bottoms line summary on what any type of extended absence, uh, for OG, especially after a performance as great as he had tonight, uh, would mean for Indiana against some of those higher level opponents. Yeah, I think, you know, it probably something we'll just need to wait and see. I, I think there's a chance it could be less than that. It, it just, I mean, you just don't know. Um, you know, the, certainly the next three games, I don't think there's any impact at all and gives a chance to to get some other guys uh, playing time in, in the event that he's not able to come back for Butler. I mean, that's really the first game, which is, you know, 17 days away uh, from now. So it does give him a good two and a half weeks to to kind of see how he's feeling at that point, if uh, if that's what it comes to. And then, uh, you know, really the, the first Big Ten game is the 28th. So that's, you know, four weeks from today uh, against Nebraska. So even if you say it's a four-week injury, he really misses one. Uh, bigger game and, and Butler certainly has played well uh, to this point uh, this year but I think you, you look at you know can Juwan Morgan you know continue to build off the performance he had tonight uh, and, and some of those kinds of things but uh, yeah definitely not a guy who's uh, you know replaceable for IU I think they've shown some depth uh, over the course of the over the course of the season so far and, and certainly we have high hopes for a lot of the other guys but it will definitely put uh, put a lot more pressure on uh, on Juwan for sure and and you may end up seeing more of the uh, you know, Thomas Bryant and Deron Davis lineups uh, playing the, those two together 
uh, which I don't necessarily think would be a bad thing uh, based on what we've seen from them so far this year. So I, just too early to tell for me. Um, certainly shouldn't have an impact over these next few games. They're all ranked 294th or worst in, uh, in Ken Palm right now. So uh, doesn't doesn't feel like anything uh, immediate. And it does give him at least a chance to, to get some rest and treatment. And uh, we'll see what happens from there. You know, maybe Tom Cream is just crazy like a fox and new scheduling-wise. Hey, schedule a, a sub-300 team after Fort Wayne so Blackman can rest. Let's schedule three of them in a row after North Carolina so OG can rest. Well played, Crean. Well played. Maybe we were all wrong after all. Um, all right, fellas. This has been fun uh, lingering on this one for a while, as it always is after these big victories. But let's uh, let's go to last call, get this wrapped up. Ryan, we'll go to you first. Hey, folks. Uh, Indiana just knocked off the team that, uh, quite frankly, I believe was the best in the country coming in, given how they played. Uh, maybe not the best skill-wise, but certainly the best as far as how they played, who they played, and how they won. Uh, that's something to celebrate, be excited about. Uh, the Kansas win was not a fluke. This team can do damage. It can do great things. Uh, obviously, we want to get OG healthy, but you know what? That's why you recruit depth. You, you recruit depth so that when somebody goes out, somebody else steps up. And uh I, I I just I'm 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 proud of the way this team played and the way this team worked. I'm proud of the way the the crowd was. I'm I'm proud of everything about this program right now. It was just so great that Fort Wayne went loss. You know, it's tough to 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 keep your heart, you know, up when when the, you lose a game like that. But these guys clearly came back focused and have really got it together tonight with the intensity they showed from the get-go. I mean, they played a 40-minute game, and uh, good for them. They deserve it, and uh, I hope they they get a little celebrating in tonight and tomorrow, and then let's get the focus turned up to the next game. But a huge win for Indiana, a huge win for the program, and hey, let's remember, these games all matter in March when they're determining your seed, and that's the uh, Kansas and North Carolina on your resume knocking those teams off is is enormous. I saw someone in our chat put that over Indiana's last eight games, we've beaten Kentucky, North Carolina, and Kansas. So that's uh, that's not bad. Hey, Andy, by the way, uh, I, I should have asked you, do we need to do a preview of SIU Edwardsville uh, for Friday, or can we... I, I don't think I could, even that. if I wanted to, and I don't really want to. So no, they're yeah, not. Bad uh, Indiana schedule teams that Andy can't even preview because he knows know, every team. There's really not a lot to, yeah, not, not look, a lot to say. I would almost bet that, Edward, that, that SIU's head coach can't even name half the players on the team. So I, why are we asking Andy to do that? It's just not uh, fair. I know. I mean, yeah. I can read stuff off of Ken Palm if you want, but yeah, uh, I don't think we need to worry too much about that. Um, I, you know, I, from my perspective, I think, uh, you know, a couple of things to that one, just, you know, a, a reminder of, of what an amazing atmosphere assembly hall can be. Uh, you know, all the stories you heard about, about how excited the fans were and how everybody was there. sounds like some, uh, issues to work out in the uh, general admission line for sure, based on a lot of the things we saw. So hopefully uh, the school does some things to get that that cleaned up. But from an atmosphere standpoint, um, was just fantastic. And, and one of the things that that you just love about college basketball. And, and the other is, you know, from we talked about, you know, after Fort Wayne, it's, you know, how does the team respond to that loss? Uh, and I think, you know, at times against Mississippi Valley State, uh, it was, you know, it, it didn't really feel like they had learned a whole lot from that game. Um, you know, certainly tonight they came around and played well, and now it's how do you respond to this win? You've got three games coming up against teams that you should just annihilate. Um, but do you keep kind of focusing on just getting better as a team and, and a little bit less on those opponents and those scores and, um, and how they improve? So, so to me, it's a, we, we had an exercise of how do you respond to the adversity of the loss? And now it's, 
you, you showed you could bounce back from that, played a good game tonight, even when you weren't playing your best. Um, as you guys said earlier, it's easy to win games when you're not playing your best when you're playing against Mississippi Valley State and UMass Lowell and Liberty. Uh, it's, it's not as easy to do that. And so, you know, how does this team deal with success? And the fact that they, you know, overcame some uh, negatives in the in the game tonight and played and led for the entire forty minutes against a team that a lot of people, uh, as Ryan said, thought was you know playing as well as anybody in the country coming in. So, um, you know, that's really the thing for me to watch one of these next games. It isn't necessarily, uh, you know, games that they should win. It, it's more how do they how do they respond to this? They take this and build on it, or do they have a step back um, like they ended up having after that Kansas win? Uh, so that's t- to me what to watch going forward. But uh, certainly for tonight. Enjoy the win, and and it was really a great team performance, as we said from the outset. Two great quotes from the coaches uh, to wrap this up. One from Roy Williams, where he said, uh, I'd like to play in front of a crowd like that every night other than the frickin' Duke game. So high praise for uh, the Simon Scott Assembly Hall crowd. By the way, someone asked me if we are contractually obligated to uh, call it Simon Scott Assembly Hall. No, nobody is. But that family really stepped up and did something huge for the university and made a great gift. So they have absolutely earned us calling it Simon Scott Assembly Hall at every opportunity that we can. And so we certainly will do that uh, on this show and everywhere else. And then the quote from Queen, uh, from from Crean, quote from Crean uh, on Robert Johnson. Rob was on another level tonight uh, and emphasized his speed and defense. That's from uh, from Zane P. Pierilli. Uh, and and look, you know, I think in hindsight, thinking about this more, you know, you guys calling him the MVP uh, and the way that he set the tone was just great. And I think, you know, you look at lasting impacts of this game. Obviously, this game is going to resonate from a resume perspective in March. And, you know, it's going to resonate from just the momentum of the season and and keeping the excitement high, keeping the students engaged. Um, You know, now, you know, there's going to be this kind of lull for the next two weeks with these games that aren't that good. But you've got this now memory of a big win over North Carolina to keep the momentum going. But I think something else that could really linger, that could really resonate is maybe James Blackman Jr. and Robert Johnson stepped into the role of leaders a little bit more tonight. We know that their coach has been asking them to do it. We know that opportunity has been demanding it of them. And I don't think either one of them was ready to do it against Fort Wayne. Not that they maybe didn't try, but you know they weren't able to do it. And tonight, they did it. I, I talked about how Robert was there vocally being a leader before the game. And you may say, ah, what do words matter? Well, for this team, it matters because their coach has specifically asked for guys to step up as vocal leaders. And Robert Johnson was doing that before the game and then followed it up with tone setting uh, defense and with tone setting shots. Same thing for James Blackman Jr. And this team goes from being a really good team to a potentially great team if it gets legitimate leadership out of its two most experienced players and its offensive leaders and Robert Johnson uh, and James Blackman Jr. And certainly its defensive leader, Robert Johnson, the guy who sets the tone. And so I think if this was a sign of those two guys really stepping up more into a leadership role, then this could be a win that resonates for Indiana for the rest of the season for reasons far beyond uh, just what it'll do for their March resume. I really liked what I saw from both of those guys tonight from a leadership perspective, uh, and I think it bodes well for Indiana moving forward. Either way, a huge win for Indiana. Uh, a jubilant night in Bloomington and a fun post-game show, and we appreciate you joining us. We are here after every game, and so we hope that you will join us uh, for for some more of these big victories this season because we will be here, as we always are, on the Assembly Call IU post-game show, and we will be here for our next episode on Friday. Quick turnaround as Indiana plays SIU Edwardsville Friday. That game is on ESPN3. 
uh, at 7 o'clock Eastern time. It tips, and we will be here with the postgame show immediately afterwards. But a great win for Indiana tonight, a great day for Hoosier Nation. Hoosiers win 76-67, and we will talk to you all after SIU Edmonton. Mexico is more than a country. It's a feeling. Wherever you feel Mexican, there is Mexico. Let's celebrate it. Tecate. Mexico is in us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.